All right, guys, welcome to the Unfolding Destiny podcast. My name is Numair. I'm sitting here with Darsh. Uh, just like I said in the last uh, episode, this this podcast is all about just capturing stories and just getting a deeper perspective on the people that you meet through your everyday walk of life. Now, having said that, I did go to school with Darsh at Temple University undergrad. We were in completely different yeah. paths. <laughs> we had like this one uh, thing that we did. It was like um, a doc charity. What was a it? The laws, man. <laughs> That's what it was, right? <laughs> right. Good time. I mean, it's so long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was fun. It was fun. So then, yeah, like, we kind of yeah. like uh, bump back into each other, I guess, through Instagram and Facebook, social media, that kind of thing. And yeah. you were doing your balcony thoughts for a while. Absolutely. I thought that was interesting. And then yeah. you changed your name from balcony thoughts to Doctor Darsh. So. Yep. Could you just kind of like uh, introduce yourself to the audience, let them know who you are, what you do? what you stand for, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. First off, Numera, thanks for having me here. Honestly, I think what you're doing is absolutely awesome. And, you know, I asked you, hey, can I come on to be a guest? Because I just see what you're doing with the whole psychology frames of things and looking at the point of view of personal development and stories and how we can better expose ourselves to be better. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, as you said, my name is Darsh. Um, I'm going to be an incoming PM&R resident, which stands for Physical Medicine Rehab at Penn State Hershey starting in July. Um, so my backstory, I went to Temple University, did a biology major, um, went through the whole rings of that, um, met you there. Um, and the, so I was actually in a seven-year med program there um, and unfortunately didn't make it through for the linkage um, to Temple University and missed the cutoff by 0.02. So I was forced to take um, two gap years, um, apply to medical school, didn't get in uh, twice, and then finally ended up getting in, ended up doing my medical school training at VCOM Virginia. Um, so essentially Virginia Tech's, um, osteopathic school. Um, so yeah, went through the medical training, um, realized I had a passion for physical medicine rehab. And so that's where I am today. Um, but who I truly am, I guess, and you know, this is someone who's on a, on a journey to become a better version of themselves. And so every day I'm looking into personal development, um, what books I can read, how to optimize my life, um, you know, how health, sleep, all these things matter, personal connections, um, and just, and just really, you know, sucking at the marrow in life, so to speak, um, and just enjoying it while we can. So that's what I'm all about. That's fascinating. So yeah, you had this, uh, you were in the seven year program, didn't quite make it, but you found other ways to get through it all. And yeah. so you said that you are big into personal development, becoming the best mm -hmm. version of yourself. That's something that I like. I love that that phrase, becoming the best version of yourself. You found it through medicine. Now, talk about that. So how do you handle this whole coming into self-awareness and understanding who you are while also tackling something as uh, daunting as medical school? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I would say my personal development journey probably began about eight years ago. So I'm 28 right now. I'd say around 2021. 20, when I realized I wasn't getting in to temple medicine, you know, and then that's kind of embarrassing, you know, so to speak in the community when everyone thinks that you and they know that you're pre-med and they know you're in a seven year program. And then in the end, you know, me doing well in high school and me, everyone having these eyes on me realizing, Hey, I'm actually not going to medical school the way I was supposed to. Um, and so self-worth really became a topic for me um, and understanding self-worth and realizing like, Hey, everyone's got their own path. You don't have to like get down on yourself. Um, and at the time, you know, I realized I had a really bad, um, romantic 
relationship with my um, ex-girlfriend and that just went horribly wrong. So my self-worth got tied up in that as well. And so eventually realizing, hey, like I need to overcome this and I'm better than who I think I am, right? And that's kind of what led me down this personal development journey so that when I got into med school, I had a whole different point of view and frame of reference than most people did. I didn't look at medical school as school as you would with undergrad, where it's all about the grades and the test scores. I looked at it as, okay, this is now my life. This is my career. How do I make the most of this now, right? So I was looking beyond just studying in the grades. I was looking at who are the people that I can meet? How are the connections um, that I'm making? Um, how can I go on to become the best physician? How can I think outside the box right now in this moment? Um, so I was trying to look two, three heads, two, three years ahead of where I kind of was. Um, and then from there, it kind of just took off with the whole personal journey from reading and just incorporating medicine as well in terms of helping others become the best version of themselves, you know, with my patients. So, so what were some books that helped you along the way and how do you, I guess it's a two part question. Yeah. Do you have this messy breakup and you realize mm -hmm. your life wasn't going anywhere. Then suddenly you started picking up on like certain personal development books. I mean, what was it that really lit your fire? And I guess what was your biggest <laughs> drive? This is, this is a big question for me. Like I understand like there's all these little doodads, right? There's like, Oh, yeah. well, I read this book and I watched this movie, but was it more so like a personal thing that you had to become a doctor? Is it family mandated or was it just something that you always wanted? Like what yeah. made you stick to the path? Was right. it to get so back it was, the ax? Like what, what was it? Oh no. So for me it was personal. So it's funny. My father always told me like, Hey, there's why do you even want to go to medicine? You know, like so many people that we know go into medicine, like everyone does the sciences. Why not go into business or engineering or something? And I, like, I was like, I couldn't be convinced. I was like, no, like my heart is set on math and sciences. And I was actually pre-dental originally, but that was just a lie that I was living, realizing that, hey, I thought it was cool and the lifestyle is great. You can make good money. My passion was in understanding the human body and optimizing um, one's body. So for me, I was an athlete my whole life. And I always remembered like I would be on the driveway playing basketball in like 15 degree weather just so I can make the basketball team, work on my left hand doing things that I know would help me get on the team despite my height or, you know, whatever. And I realized I have to find ways to be better than other people. And that was like the competitive drive within me is how can I be best on the tennis court or on the basketball field or the baseball field? And my love for sports and optimizing myself as an athlete is kind of what trickled into my passion for medicine and optimizing the patients that I eventually will have and optimizing myself as well. So that's kind of where it really all started in terms of the whole optimization. And of course, if you're going to optimize, you have to know how to personally develop yourself and have a growth mindset because we live in a world where there's so many consensus because I don't even know if that's the plural for consensus, consensus, I, I don't know. But, but, um, <laughs> um, but we live in a world where there's so many consensus and there's one guy I love to follow, Neville Rubicon. Um, he's like a Silicon Valley angel list guy. He's the um, founder of AngelList. And he always talks about, you need to go and seek out the truth. And the difference between truth and consensus is that a consensus is what you're supposed to believe out there in the world. The truth is what you know to be true to your inner self. And so when you look at functional medicine, alternative medicine, and the things that I'm really into thinking outside the box, these are all truths. You know, These are not the things that most people will agree with me on or will be practicing the same type of medicine. Um, and so that also kind of fueled my passion to like really be a leader in that field. So. How did you discover your truth? Because I, I want you to understand, listen, just yeah. pause for just one moment. Let me, let me get this through because this is mm -hmm. really important. It's like pivotal. You'll, you'll find that there's a lot of people who go throughout life 
and they don't know their truth or they'll externalize it and they'll try to find an external gratification and they don't spend that time to really self-explore. You, on the other hand, you somehow were able to find your truth. You were able to trust it. You were able to kind of make decisions based on it, even when things weren't clear. So I guess what is your truth? And, and I think you've kind of shed some light on it already, but more important than that, how did you come to find it? Sure. So, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question, right? Because how do you define truth and how do you know that your truth is actually the truth when right, it can right. be a consensus in your mind, right? So, right. Um, so I think the only way to really do that is like, so the way Neville puts it is that your truth is what's linked to inner peace and happiness. It's the one thing that you're going to go out and conquer or teach or influence because it's what you truly believe in. And for me, that's functional medicine. And the w reason why I got so into it, is I look at Western medicine and I look in the US and I see obesity and diabetes and heart failure and all these chronic conditions that no one seems to have an answer to besides having a really healthcare model. Right now in the US, we have a sick care model. You know, as much as people say healthcare, it's not really, we're not taking care of health, we're taking care of the sick. So with me in functional medicine, alternative medicine, I really thought that was the truth for me because I wanna go out there and actually prevent people from having these diseases. Right. So I think that's the way I kind of figured out my truth was I don't want to be living in this lie of Western medicine that we're so often taught. People aren't aware that medical doctors barely get trained with diet, nutrition, um, like immunology. Yeah, we get taught about it, but we don't really get taught about what to do to boost the immune system, you know, besides certain drugs. So it's very it's very sticky and wet when you go through medical training and realize, hey, this stuff actually isn't really working. And so I think the way you can also really find your truth is you have to experiment with it. You have to keep going on and finding cases that support it. And so with me and doing osteopathic medicine, you know, I've always tried to seek out those moments where I'm like, yes, this is why I'm going down the route I'm going down because I've seen it work, um, even though it might be against how most people practice. So that's interesting. So in some ways you were, you knew what you wanted out of your truth and somehow medicine was able to actualize that, but not just medicine itself, but the fact that there's this whole thing going on where doctors are taught how to prescribe medication and help the sick in a way, but not really prevent sickness. And they're not really taught about diet and nutrition. So you saw this. And I guess what you're saying is that you found that there was something within that trajectory that you found meaning in. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I came across functional medicine. I've always been more of a contrarian my whole life. I always look to see, look at things, not necessarily find a problem, but look at a solution as to how to make it better, right? So going into medicine, that's very tough to do because it's so indoctrinated. Everything you learn, you go through generations and generations of people who establish these things in medicine. And we're taught that this is the only way of doing it, right? So we look at surgeons back in the day with Civil War. They weren't washing their hands because they thought you didn't need to. We used to think that if they you thought they were out, better than everyone, they thought that they were better and they were noble and that they don't have germs or something. Exactly. Yeah. And that if you if you just leak out your blood, you'll take out the disease. And then there's something called a radical mastectomy, which I learned in my recent book where they used to think if you have breast cancer, you just cut away the muscle and keep going deeper and deeper and deeper until the breast cancer is gone. And these were literally dogmas in medicine. And we come to realize, wow, like these are absolutely not true. And, and what's funny is if you ask any doctor right now, they'd be like, yeah, those guys were idiots for thinking that. Well, are we not idiots right now? Are we not like we should be skeptics right now for everything we have? 
And so that's like where I'm trying to go is how do we make everything better? Not everything is perfect right now in medicine. And, but I feel like we have so many egos or we have so many, so much in our medical training that makes us believe that we have to believe in authority rather than us being pioneers and saying, what's wrong? How can we fix it? And how can we make it better? So. Okay. So now I think we're onto something. I think we've established some sort of baseline here where it's like, all right, whatever it was, something within you made you realize it made you seek out the fact that there's something broken within the healthcare industry. A couple things I want to mention is I don't, I don't know if it's luck or just being the right place, right time. Maybe it's the neurochemistry. Some of us struggle for years to even find a face to the truth that's within us. Like yeah. for some people, it's incredibly hard. I mean, think about it. You're walking along and you're living your life and you've got this feeling inside yourself that you want to express, but you don't know what mask to put on it. In your case, you were able to find it. But now accelerating that, going a little past that, let's just say, and I want to circle back to that, and I might find different ways to circle back to that question, but going a little bit further into the future, I guess, it seems to me then you haven't yet quite arrived. It seems to me that you... You went to medical school, but you had different intentions and you had different ambitions. So then based on the way you're communicating, would I be wrong to assume that you have deeper ambitions later on? I mean, I know you, you're going to become a, you are a physiatrist or you're going to be, you're in residency, but what's your plan for advancing the medical field afterwards? Or is it that, oh, I'm in, I'm going to treat my patients and it's going to do the best for them. Is it a local thing or is it more of a a societal thing? Yeah, no, I think it's the latter. So um, me being in residency training, I kind of have to go through those hoops, right, of doing certain requirements, certain electives. So you're right, I I haven't arrived yet, so to speak. Um, So my goals after residency is to really probably do a fellowship somewhere in PM&R. Right now, I'm really, I really like sports and spine or sports medicine and doing more of um, regenerative medicine to really heal joints and stuff like that. But then eventually also becoming a functional medicine doctor and really looking at lifestyle. Um, and so when I can combine that with my love for PM&R and put the two together, I mean, you're, almost cre- you're not necessarily creating a new field, but you're creating almost a new branch in a new area. I mean, there's not many people in the U.S. as doctors who practice functional medicine. So, you know, to be that doctor where I can go in and I can specialize in one thing and I can really develop that area, do some research maybe, um, but then also try to bridge the gap between other doctors as well, teach them a little bit of functional medicine, right? I don't think looking only at Western medicine is the answer. I don't think only looking at Eastern medicine is the answer, but looking at medicine as not only evidence-based, but also case-based and seeing how can we personalize medicine for this one person so that they can live an optimal lifestyle. So define functional medicine for the audience. What is that? You've mentioned it so, quite a few times. Sure, yeah. So sorry, I should have I should have began with that. So functional medicine is root cause analysis of medicine. So while most doctors here in the US and the way our health healthcare systems work is we treat the symptoms and the disease. But that doesn't necessarily get rid of the root issue, why those diseases are manifesting, why those symptoms are manifesting. So we're looking at what is the cause of this? Is it your gut issues? Is it because you have more bad bacteria than good bacteria? Is it because of your sleep cycle? Is it something in your brain, like you said, like the, like the neurochemistry? Um, is it something like a vitamin deficiency? 
So we're doing more extensive testing as functional medicine doctors where you're looking at gut health, looking at the bacteria profile, looking at genetic testing. So it's way more personalized. And then you're getting down to the root cause so that that one root cause isn't stemming uh, four or five more symptoms or diseases or whatever. Okay, so you're looking at the body and the everything holistically. Holistically, then, exactly. Yes, yeah. Okay, in, in this case, with the functional approach, would someone come to you after they've had an injury, or would they kind of consult your advice prior to? Would you be more like a coach and a therapist? Not a therapist. Would you be more of a right. coach or consultant preemptively? Like, how exactly does that work? So it's all of them combined. So that's awesome that you said all those things because I actually worked with a functional medicine doctor, and he pretty much goes as an integrative medicine consultant kind of. Um, but he sees patients that just want to live healthier lives so they can come before disease. So it's more preventative or they can come after disease, like thyroid issues. I've seen a lot of gut issues. I've seen a lot of insomnia. So these patients come with these issues. Um, and this doctor would try to help them with that. Or these doc or these patients go into the hospital system in the U S nothing's been cured. Nothing's been working. And then they end up going and see a functional medicine doctor because they'll have a different way of treating it. How do you plan on transforming the field? And I guess how far do you want to take it? It's different for everyone. Like my sister's a doctor and she's an internal yep. specialist and that's cool. But okay. now, do you do you want to be publishing papers? Do you want to start your own? Do you want to open up a spine institute? Like, right. do you want to have books? Do you want to do documentaries? Like what? Because it seems like out of I wouldn't just ask that to anyone, but I kind of know you and I feel like you kind of want to span in different yeah. fields. Like what, yeah. what do you want to do with this now? Now that you've after residency and all that, like sure, of time. sure. So I don't I see myself ranging across the board with it. So I want to be first and foremost, a provider. So I want my, I want to see my patients. I want to end up getting a life coach cert certification so that I can end up being a life coach as well as a okay. healthcare provider. Um, so along with that, then the way to change the field, I'm not too heavy into research, but if that's something that comes onto my radar, then sure. Like I would love to um, be in academia um, as well and love to mentor other residents or mentor med students in functional medicine and really kind of bring it to light. Um, other things, I want to write a book. I love writing. And as you mentioned, I used to have a blog, Balcony Thoughts, and I used to blog on there. So I'd love to write. So a book, hopefully, one day is on the way. Uh, podcasting, maybe, you know, so just really getting into the space of social media and influencing and um, kind of just making a difference through that. And then in the end as well, just taking care of my patients. So kind of looking at that wholesome kind of way. You know, I, it, and in the end, I don't really have any direct goals, but I like to see where life's going to take me. And I like to be open to all opportunities. That's kind of the way I've been living my life now for the past like two, three years. It's just the opportunity presents itself. I'm going to go and knock the door down and we'll see what happens. And if it's not meant to be, then I'll back out. It's not meant to be. But if it's something that I can run away with and it's a great opportunity, I'll find a way to combine it into whatever I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Because uh, so we're teleological. So. We like to map out our future according. Well, mm -hmm. We like to map out our goals according to our future. Mm -hmm. And so, what I'm, what I'm finding interesting with you is that what you just told me, you like to live in the moment, but at the same time, you're striving to become the best version of yourself. A lot of the time, that's because someone wants to get ready for a race or uh, mm -hmm. a competition. In your case, why? Because I guess. You can go to med school and you can be totally out of shape. You can study your books. Absolutely. You can just yeah. party. And you can, but why, why, what drives you to still want to like 
do body weight exercises and do like yeah. 48 hours of intermittent fasting once yeah. a month. Like yeah. what makes you still want to do all of that along the way if there is no specific end goal in mind? So this is like a combination of Tim Ferriss and David Goggins, right? So Tim yeah. Ferriss is like the master of just optimization. Like he'll take anything and he'll, he'll, he'll find out how this headphone will help you sleep better at night. And like the corner of my table will help me gain more muscle. Like those are all truths though. Like that's the thing in the end. Like these are some truths that I want to find out. Like how do I optimize my body? What is the best way on my case to case basis? Um, and then David Goggins saying there is no finish line. Like the only thing you can do is suffer. And so you might as well suffer every day to become the best version of yourself. And like he always brings up that analogy of, you know, he wants to trick God into God not even knowing what he's capable of. Um, and I'm not saying I'm, at, I'm not even saying I'm at that level or anything, but that's kind of what keeps me going is that I just want to optimize every part of my life, you know. Um, and then secondly, if I'm going to tell my patients to do these kinds of things, you better believe that I have to do it, you know, like I got to be the one to do it first and foremost. I think that's also an issue in like the Western care systems, like well-being and burnout. Like most doctors are probably not healthy, but yet we tell our patients to do the things that we are so reluctant to do or don't have the time to do. Um, and, you know, I definitely want to be an advocate of healthy living. And that starts with me if I'm going to tell my patients to do the same thing. That makes a lot of sense. So you do it because you want to not so much not be seen as a hypocrite, but you do want to be seen as the best version of yourself so that when your patients approach you, at least you're living your values, correct? 100%. I think everything's connected, right? And so like I overheard my fiance talk about this like last week. One of her goals is like to eat more plant-based, right? Because the minute you put sugar into you, your mood goes off. And the minute your mood goes off, that's going to let you or make you not want to complete one of those daily goals of yours. Not completing that daily goal is going to make you depressed, so to speak. And then there's just a vicious cycle behind it. So why not break that cycle from the beginning? Why not realize everything's connected in how you want to live a healthy life and be the best version of yourself? So you really have to nail down all those things. Because, you know, if you if you just if you just let yourself go and only focus on one area, you're not realizing that everything's connected. That's interesting that you say that, especially with the diet and like the, the sugar. And I find that maybe, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but mm. do you think, and I'm just kind of like, I know if you look at like books and motivational, like motivational books and tapes, they'll say, oh yeah, you can do anything. Yeah. But I've been through it. I've done like a, a five day fast. Now I'll tell mm. you the third day in, I had some Altoids, but still yeah. like that was like one or right. two Altoids, right? I had right. a five day fast. Cheated. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, one or 10 calories, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I've done that and I've like I've taken pizza out of my diet for eight months. I mean, I've done things to yeah, yeah. reduce uh, certain like urges like sugar and bad stuff like sweets. Right. And but when I do it as I'm going through it, even now, it's like, dude, this is impossible. Like, I don't know how I'm doing it. Yeah. I don't know how I can expect anyone else to do it. Like, exactly. for instance, if you're a 48 hour fast. Yeah once a month, right? right? Like you get to a moment where you realize it's doable, but the average population will never do that. The average right. population is not going to take out all the sugars from their diet. Yeah, the average population is not going to go plant-based completely. Yeah, Most yeah. people would like to have a taste of success 
and then they throw it out the window and they're back right. to the normal ways. Right. I think during COVID right now, during the coronavirus, I think people are putting on like 15, 20 pounds easily. I'm sure. So, I'm oh, sure. We're in yeah. quarantine. Yeah. I'm going to feed myself crazy. And I yeah. understand the stress involved and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, at the same time, right. How do you, I say all that to package this question yes. in a nice little yes. ribbon, knowing how impossible, and I say that just because it's just, it's very hard to do things like having a consistent diet, eliminating sugars from your diet, intermittent fasting, body weight training, yeah, drinking only like like water for the most part. Right. Knowing how hard that is, do you think there's a way to make it easier for your patients to see the light, or do you feel like, you know what, it's only just going to be medication? Like, are, how do you get? patients to want to take that leap and do these types of things honestly it's very i think i think that's the toughest part right because I'm, I'm a huge believer that everything comes down to self-realization you know currently as a mentor i have pre-med students and some of my pre-med students are just waiting for the opportunity to come to them right they're not looking to go out and making it happen right i think there's a da vinci quote most successful people don't wait for things to happen to them they go and make things happen right so that's like that's kind of what the mental um, what, what the mindset needs to be is that you got to go out there and do it, but it comes down to self-realization. I mean, eventually when I get my life coach certification or whatever, maybe I'll have some tips and tricks to really help motivate or inspire or influence. Um, and I actually have the book right here, influence. Um, so like this is Cialdini, why, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cialdini. Yeah. Um, so it's like one of the reasons why I read too, right? It's just making these connections and finding a way to take these valuable nuggets in these books and use them in your life. And one of those aspects is how do you influence your patients to do these things that seem impossible, like you said, but you just have to give them a taste of it and then make them realize, look where you were like a week ago, right? Like you, where were you five years ago compared to now, right? And you look at that journey and you're like, man, like, you know, it, it's possible, but yeah, it's self-realization in the end though, I, I think. When you say self-realization, it's a word, and I know what it means because I yeah. talk about it in my videos. Yeah. But are you saying in this context, self-realization is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't get it to drink? Is that what yeah. it is? Like That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, exactly that. It's like, I can't help you unless you help yourself, right? Like, I can show you all the tricks in the books and everything, but unless you want it and you're dedicated and you're willing to put in that work, I mean, the results are going to come down to you, not from someone else helping you. So, yeah, that's that's exactly what I mean. And so you want to tie in life, uh, life coaching to this. So talk mm -hmm. about that. Talk about that. So you want to combine life coaching with functional medicine? Yeah. So I think, I think every doctor almost should have some sort of training in life coaching, right? Like that is what we do as a physician. You're literally coaching someone in their life, be it, you know, about their health. And it might not be like the ontological well-being and the spirituality and stuff, but you're still trying to influence someone to make a change in their life. So not all medicine has to do with just giving a medication or treating somebody because they had an acute injury. 95% of um, issues in American health system are chronic. That means they have to be dealt chronically. And now we're talking about how are people going to stay consistent on that diet that they need, the non-inflammatory diet, um, the medications that they have to take, all these kinds of things comes down to consistency. So yeah, eventually I think like, honestly, life coaching should be in part in, in everyone's book as a physician. For me, I, you know, I came across it, across it, and you know me, I do lives on Instagram and I feel like my feed is almost like life coaching. Now I just need that certificate to really have that credibility. Um, 
behind my why name. Do you, why do you need a cer- certificate for life coaching if you're already an MD? I mean, that's what you can you can label yourself as a consultant. Don't you think your life's experiences are enough for you to just inspire someone? Do you need to have that certification? I don't. I don't think you need it, but I think. I don't know if there's any legal issue behind it, but again, to me, I think it comes down to the influence. If I can have a website or I have my private practice and I tell patients, hey, I am a life coach, and having that authority, they're bound to believe me more and they're bound to make a change. You know, it's like, the, it's like that study that showed if you're a physician and I tell a patient verbally, hey, you need to run three times a week for 30 minutes a day or for 30 minutes. But if I write that down on a prescription notepad and hand it to them, they're more likely to adhere to what is written on there rather than me just saying it. So there's like little tips and tricks, you know, and I think life coaching could be one of them. That is fascinating. So it's almost like you just want to add one more layer of credibility to your name. Not that having the MD is enough, but uh, a customer for that one customer who comes to you and says, well, you're a doctor. And I saw in some documentary that doctors only are trained to treat the sick. They're not really trained to to right. eat, like do preventative stuff and in this case you can say well no i'm also a life coach exactly yeah no have you heard right. of, uh, yeah have you heard of dr perlmutter yes the functional medicine guy from yeah 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 yeah, the parkinson's guy who yeah yeah the grain par- grain brain i think is what he wrote yeah and yeah, he's like definitely. i think he's a neurologist but he's also on like the american dietitian dietary okay. board or something yeah, right he, he, so, he's like one of the founders of functional medicine he's like huge into that stuff yeah so it's interesting he i really think that in the future if not now it's really important did you switch from wine to orange juice yeah a little bit that's funny there's a lot um, of tequila in here though i think so i don't know a little spiked might be a okay. <laughs> Might be a what? Might be a margarita. Okay. I don't know. My okay. fiance just gave it to me. Oh, is she there in the same room? No, no, she's a, she's somewhere else. <laughs> okay. Cool, yeah. Cool. Well, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I really think that with doctors, like they, they need to have both. They need to have maybe not so much life coaching, but definitely have some nutrition, nutritional guidelines, things of that nature. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's huge to have that. So, and again, I think like. I'm, I'm, the way I operate is the opportunities, who knows where they can take you. So me getting a life coaching, who knows if that can blow me up, you know, in a good way um, and get more patients to me, make it more of a business model or, you know, word of mouth. They say that the best referrals are just word of mouth. That's how you get the most advertisements. So looking at it from a business perspective, I think that life coaching, what maybe spend 3K to 10K, but look at where the ROI is for that, you know? So and it's something I'm interested in. Like, I would love to learn the spirituality aspects of the ontological perspectives of life coaching and just really connecting with someone and seeing how to help them rather than are, getting a, yeah. Who are some people you look up to in that sphere? I know you mentioned Goggins and Ferris, but spiritualities, sure. who else? Jay, Jay Shetty, hands down. I mean, I, I was actually looking at his life coaching program. He just came out with one. Um, but I for saw him, ads, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, they're all over on Instagram. But for him to be a monk and go to India and then come back and uh, share his wisdom, you know, um, and he lived that impossible life, taking cold showers, you know, fasting, meditating for eight hours a day, um, learning just like those tough principles that you can only learn by doing it so often, you know, like I guess going to monk school. Um, so he's like, he's someone that I really look up to in that, in that regard. Um, Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you, have you heard of him? 
You know, I've heard of him. I don't know a whole lot about him. I've I've seen his name. Could you tell me more about Joe? Yeah, Dr. Joe Dispenza. This guy's like awesome. He goes into like the quantum like physics of meditation and spirituality and like the third eye and uh, um, how DMT can kind of get like released in your brain if you meditate enough, and then you get visions and synchronicity of your heart and your heart field and like the the, the magnetism of what you attract. And so he's very much about energy, um, in a sense, and transcendentalism. I'm looking him up. I, I, okay, yeah, he was on Impact Theory recently. I may have read yeah. some of his books. You know what? Was he in What the Bleep Do We Know? I haven't read that. I haven't read that book. All right, so you just mentioned quantum physics, right? Yeah. And, uh, it's one of those earlier documentaries, maybe back in 2003, 2004. Okay. And, I mean, there's a lot of skepticism around it, but it's basically somewhat borderline on the mat- based on the Matrix. Okay. But, it's about like how your thoughts create reality and stuff. Let's talk about that. I mean, you, you just open up that wormhole. Let's do it. And let's do it. so let's, let's go intended. down that wormhole, right? Right, right. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Cause I'm about to geek out here. Cause I, I mean, yeah, I love good. that stuff. So right. Talk to me about that. What has your spiritual journey been like? And why the fuck do you know about yeah. quantum physics and Joe Dispenza? Like, yeah. what? In transcendentalism, like talk right, about right, right. I know nothing about oh. quantum physics. <laughs> I know was, nothing about quantum no. physics, but sure. Um, sure. So I grew up in a very religious household, right? So both my parents are religious. So I grew up in Jainism. For those okay. people listening who don't know what Jainism is, um, it's a branch of Hinduism. I would say it's a combination of almost Hinduism and Buddhism. So it has a very nonviolent principle behind it. That is the essential principle behind Jainism is nonviolence. So no, like we're all vegetarians. No eat meat. Don't hurt animals. Don't even kill a fly in the wall that kind of stuff. Went to Sunday school my whole life, you know, forced almost, right? And then there's times, you know, as you're a teenager where you're just dealing with this stuff and you're like, what's my identity? Like, you know, I I promised myself I would never drink growing up. (laughs) This was me like up until freshman year of college. And then I joined a frat and then everything just went downhill from there, I guess, you know, and just drank. And, but I realized, and again, I talked about this in live, there are also advantages of socially drinking rather than just, you know, you don't have to be an alcoholic. Um, so I pretty much, I just realized like Jainism wasn't for me. And I really thought about this. And the one question I ask is, you know, we're, we're, whoever's religious, if you were born in a different family with a different, you know, type of religion, would you still be the same religion that you are today? And most people are like, no, because, and I'm like, why? Well, it's because, you know, my parents and this side got brought up. Exactly. So for me, the way I thought about this is I'm going to let whatever like come to me and be my calling almost, you know? And so I wouldn't say I'm an atheist. I'm almost agnostic. I'm very spiritual. Um, I believe it kind of in all religions. So I got into this thing called Sahaja Yoga. Um, and this was when I was back. This was probably about six years ago. Um, in some places, it's like a cult. In some places, it's not. And it's like a free meditation group. So I was in a non-cult kind of thing. But pretty much Sahaja <laughs> Sahaja yoga is like a chakra yoga. So you're going through all your chakras from like one to seven, opening it up, your spinal cord, your energy. Um, and here's the coolest thing like I learned, right, is that all your energy is like your, 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 your mother energy is stored in your sacrum. And the reason it's called your sacrum, right, because Latin for sacred, but the reason it's called sacred is because when you burn a body, the last when bone you to say, burn. Sorry, sorry, sorry. When you say sacrum, yeah. is that your root chakra? Like your root? Yes. Yeah, that's your root. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's your root chakra, right? And so the reason it's called the sacrum or sacred is when you burn a body, the last bone to burn is your sacrum, right? That's really? just like, yeah, apparently. I've, been, I've, been, I've never really seen this, okay. but apparently, like, that's, that's absurd. That's insane. So like, this is where 
back in the day in like India or wherever in Mesopotamia and they all these people got spiritual and like looking at these kind of things and taking mushrooms and having these visions that's what really got me inspired into this like man what else like and I don't know I've always been a believer of just and there's a reason my blog was called Balcony Thoughts, right? Because when you're, I always say this, when, in, when you're on the balcony at nighttime, where do you look? You look up to the sky, you look at the stars, you wonder, you wonder what's beyond. And I've always been a believer in just like looking beyond, looking past the horizon and just like seeing what else is out there. And like, again, we come back to this concept of truth. What is the truth? We don't know. What the fuck do we know? We know nothing. So how do we know it, right? So how can I know my truth? more by meditating, more by being spirituality. And if a religion comes by and speaks to me and, you know, really weighs me or sways me in one way, then sure. But um, that's like, I guess my spiritual journey is like, I, I, I gave up Jainism um, and I don't practice it. And now I just practice meditation, being spiritual um, and just understanding philosophy more so than anything. Like, that's why I love Buddhist, uh, Buddhism, right? Because they say it's not a religion, it's more of a philosophy of just how to live um stoicism also just like a great philosophy um so i've been really just pondering on philosophies rather than religion itself looking at a black or white kind of picture but understanding that hey everything's connected probably and everything's gray and so kind of just leaving it out there to see what happens i don't know and it's a reason why i'm not afraid of death you know like i'm just not afraid of dying because i'm also curious of just knowing like what else is out there you're not afraid of dying so does that mean that do you believe in an afterlife? Do you think consciousness exists beyond the body? I have no idea. That's what I really want to know. <laughs> um, honestly, I would say, man, I don't even know. I really don't know. I want to say yes, because that's what I want to believe in. But I guess that my truth is I have no idea. Like, what if what if we just die and that's that's it? Like, that's it. There's no consciousness, there's no soul. It's just all just right there. I have no idea. <laughs> what do you think? But it's, I don't know, man. What's interesting, though, is when you look at all the world religions and you look at Buddhism, you look at what Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yeah. There's like in almost every single walk of life and spiritual thought, there's always this idea of like resurrection or another life. There's another world beyond this. And I really think that in the world yeah. that we've been brought up in the Western world, there's everything's localized. All right. right. You've got your um, school, you've got your gym, yeah. you've got your house, your family life, and everything is like very structured. But the second when things start to get a little nuanced, right? Yeah. Things get yeah. a little nuanced. People almost tell you to stay away from the nuanced right. thought. Right. Like you can, and nuanced thought is the stuff that doesn't get publicized. That's the stuff that you don't you don't see in the media. That's the stuff that no one wants to talk about. It's like, exactly. you know, we're so nuanced is so taboo that we we have sayings like curiosity killed the cat, right? Yeah, exactly. And so like, so there's certain conclusions that we're just taught, you know, just better not to draw those conclusions. But what what exactly happens beyond this physical form? You know, you look at energy, right? Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, only yeah. altered form. Does that right. apply to consciousness? But then you take a look yeah. at consciousness. Take a look at this, Darsh. Where is consciousness inside the brain? Up until yeah. now, no one's actually found it. it right. You can look at like um. All right, so Doctor Ramachandran, you know Ramachandran? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phantom limb right. guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So he is the guy he's very big on mirror neurons and i gotta right. be very careful with yeah. my wording because to date no one's actually discovered mirror neurons mirror, inside yeah. of the human brain they found them mm -hmm. inside macaque monkeys and there's yeah. this parallelism it's like the idea that oh well 
when these monkeys they see another monkey do something and they yeah. imitate that monkey yeah there's something happening in their prefrontal cortex right. which is learning is taking place and it has to deal with their mirror neurons yeah what am i getting at though what i'm getting at is that even so we still haven't we've, we're starting to find different things but we haven't found just like rosalind franklin found dna i mean like there's a few people yeah but like watson crick and rosalind franklin right. they found dna and they found that genes are based off of dna we haven't found the dna of psychology we haven't uh, found that root so it's almost like you want to know what happens after we die but what happens while we're alive what yeah. is what is the quantum what's going on what's the what's, what's the neural system that makes dash who he is and what creates that sense of self and then to say what happens beyond the body there's a lot that's going on, right? Like, yeah, how do we exactly. come to the sense of being? And then you're talking about like listening to yourself and self-reflection and self-reality. Yeah. <laughs> but the very thing that makes you who you are, it's completely absent from like any for as of right now. I mean, this right. could change tomorrow, but yeah, from a yeah. biological, microscopic level, we still haven't found the self inside yeah. the, the physical body. So it's like wondering it's, where it's exactly is this? Insane. Who knows? And like, have you heard those theories of like what life actually is? And like, there's one theory where it's actually one person just dreaming and we're all part of that dream. And so oh we're actually, God. it's like inception. It's like, we're actually living in a dream right now. Like this is not real life. We're just acting out someone's dream. <laughs> what? Well, now <laughs> you're going down the matrix rabbit hole. Yeah. So if you look at my unfolding destiny video today, I mean, I'm, I'm uploading mm -hmm. it right now. Actually, well, let me see. Is it finished? It's, it's encoding, but it's, it's all do soulmates exist. Oh, okay. It's, it's going to be a, a bomb. Wow. Like, you, you're you're, you're going to love it. But like, it's the whole idea of like, all right, well, is there such a thing as predetermination? Is yeah, our yeah, yeah. out prior to our Dude, arrival on this is, planet? Is destiny a thing? Yeah. Is destiny uh, a thing, right? And so, like, and it's funny because I have the term unfolding yeah, destiny. Yeah, unfolding destiny, right, 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 right. But what exactly is destiny? What is a soulmate? And is there something that's, like, predetermined before we come into being? And there's all these things that we don't know. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is... We have this whole uh, spiritual thing that's embedded in our in our DNA. If you look at like ancestrally speaking, we had like prehistoric man used to pray, used to chant, and used to have like right. these um uh, how do you it's the numinous mind, right? Numinous yeah. perception. They call it that. It's like almost the very fact of spirituality, DMT, ayahuasca, this is yeah. embedded inside of our DNA. Right. And right. so we're very much spiritual beings, but we, we've been isolated and taken away from that spiritual part of self to be very, very linear focused, linear oriented, one mm. mind, one body, just focusing on the present, but not really right. focusing on anything else that's nuanced. I say like, I think that there's something much bigger to the human story, but I also understand that there's boundaries of perception and boundaries to perception. And mm. I can only see to so far before, like, I don't want to start talking about angels and demons here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm grounded in this human experience. I'm very present. And I know that there's things that I don't know, but within this, like, there's this whole phenomenon of self and self-discovery and self-actualization, mm -hmm. yeah. but nowhere to be found in the human DNA. And right, right. I think that we're becoming more and more spiritually awakened in that regard.
Yeah. I think that the world is waking up, but I just don't know if it knows how to wake up in the right way. Would you mm. say that things like DMT, ayahuasca, do you think these are important for our own spiritual growth? Do you think that those psychedelics are part of our, not just evolution, but our transcendence and going forth? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, so you you heard of MAPS, and I guess for people out there listening, if they haven't heard of MAPS, was it multidisciplinary something, psychedelics? something it's like in harvard and johns hopkins these people are looking at mushrooms and ayahuasca and psychedelics and using it for psychiatric disorders um such as ptsd and so i was just listening to a podcast on aubrey marcus who's like really into spirituality and stuff yeah um on and he yeah on it yeah and so he um he interviewed it was him or kyle kingsbury his partner and they interviewed like uh uh war vet war vets and so they founded this thing where they actually go to um, Brazil or wherever they're doing the ayahuasca, Peru, actually, sorry, Peru, doing the ayahuasca and coming back and getting healed from this PTSD and stuff. Um, so I definitely think there's a place. And I definitely think our ancestors were using ayahuasca for vision yeah. and opioids and, you know, all these different types of things that they were smoking up and, you know, marijuana and all these different things to open up your consciousness. And it's like people who haven't listened to Jason Silva go and listen to Jason Silva. He is like the most, like his spoken word that he just comes up in this flow and the creativity he talks about and stuff is just unbelievable. Um, so he's one of those guys too that also talks about maps and psychedelics and just like consciousness and love and all these like themes that we understand and we feel, but we don't know how to express or talk about um, or explain. He has a phenomenal talk with uh, Tom Billy of Impact Theory. Okay, just- yeah. It's funny, Jason sounds almost like a bro. He's like, dude, yeah, yeah, bro. yeah. But then he drops these nuggets of wisdom, and they're they're powerful. It's, it's insane. like where where does he find this rhetoric? Like, where does he find all this? Like, I, it's, it's just, so smooth. It's insane. Like, so he used to. I heard one of his things. He used to do. He used to call these like wine orgies or something, where him and like a group of like five guys would just like sip on wine and smoke marijuana. Had nothing to do with an actual orgy, and then they would record themselves. And they would get to the point where they're just like tripping and talking about like kind of what we're doing now, but just on like psychedelics and just like expanding their minds and really like try to uncover their truths or whatever they're seeing. Um, and so a lot of his inspiration has come from those like um, those wine orgies, I guess, so to speak. Um, but it's, it's absolutely, Jason Silva is absolutely insane. His videos are so crazy. I've only seen that one and like it was two hours long and I had to listen to it twice. I was so blown away the first yeah. time that I told my like my uh, Alex, my friend, my co-founder, a mix yeah, yeah. type. I was like, dude, you, you really need to listen to this. You got to watch this video. It's it's phenomenal. And I, I need to take notes on some of the stuff he says, but it's very much in alignment with what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So I guess. Here, I, I want to ask this as a physician or physician mm-hmm. in training, but let's just call you a physician as a yeah. doctor. Sure. How do you blend the Eastern and the Western thought? How can you stand on that and still not be criticized by, I guess, the establishment? Oh, so are you're you, gonna, yeah. Are you allowed yeah. to think this way? Go ahead. So that's the thing. I don't like it's almost taboo to think this way, but now they're slowly. And again, that's functional medicine. Functional medicine is that form of alternative medicine that makes it allowable in the in the, in the West Coast, right? If I just put myself as an Eastern medicine doctor out there doing Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, Reiki, like whatever it is, I'm not going to get any believers because here in the West Coast, we're taught to believe that those disciplines are shams. 
but functional medicine makes it not a sham and is, is actually evidence-based because we're combining the Western with the Eastern. So that's like exactly what functional medicine would be for me. It would be taking these concepts and these spiritualities, but mainly the spiritual spirituality aspect would make me more open to the possibilities in medicine. And I think that's where it really helps because as we were talking, there's so much dogma in medicine. There's so much that we think is right. This medicine is the only way to cure this. This disease is the only way to present for this. This is the, you know, this or that. And the next thing you know, in 20 years, all that's gone. Oh, well, those guys are idiots for thinking that. Why would they ever think that? Well, exactly. We all have to be skeptics. And so that's where this spiritual journey has kind of taken me to become a skeptic and look at everything as, hey, it's not black or white. It never will be black or white. You know, a lot of these dogma theories are not actually dogma. So we kind of just got to wait and see and see where it goes with it. Uh, but allowed to think like that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like, they'll definitely try to sway you with certain things that I think that I probably should not be saying on this podcast and I probably won't say. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about this later. Um, but if I said that on here, you know, I definitely get a call and be like, yo, why, what is this? Why'd you say that? You know, you can't be saying this to patients or this or that. So, um, yeah, so there's definitely taboo in, in our, in our, in our Western culture with, uh, with medicine. It is. And I think, you know, years ago, stuff like this, we just, we couldn't talk about it, but I think the world is opening up to this level of thought I guess my question is, how far does your spiritual inquiry go? Like, do you believe in things like reincarnation, past lives, things yeah. of that nature? So, like, being Jane growing up, we're, we're you know, it's, it's a Hindu, Buddhist, it's about reincarnation, it's about the cycle of life, and your end goal is to reach enlightenment, and that's by breaking the circle of life and reaching moksha, which is basically heaven. So, in Jainism, when you die, you don't just go to heaven or hell, you go through a cycle of life and depending on how many sins you committed or karma um that will tell you what life form you get are you going to a lesser life form or will you be a human and we're taught that humans are pretty much the best life form that you can be um because you have the most capabilities and opportunities and whatnot so i i, I do want to believe in reincarnation or just uh, a cycle of life just i don't know i mean there might i've, I've heard people still like even like psychics and stuff, right? Like how do they know about past lives and is it true, is it not true? Like I've heard some crazy stories about like psychics helping out the cops and finding out murders. And one of my uncles was actually very close friends to one in Chicago. Tell um, me about this, tell me. Like, yeah. You can't not bring that up and you, you tell I me, I wanna know. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna have to research it more in depth. I don't know the exact story, but she was pretty much like a psychic in Peoria, um, Illinois. Um, and so my uncle used to go to her to get his like palms read or psyching stuff. And like a lot of the stuff has come true, I guess, in terms of like family or career or like when you're going to die, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I guess like she gained popularity and then like cops used her to, for like murder mysteries, like in the area. And she like helped the cops solve, I don't know how many murders it was, two, five, something like that. I'm going to have to look it up though. Um, because she's definitely like famous in the news for it. Um, but yeah, like detectives used her for like, and they, and, 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 and it was like cold cases that were solved. So like those, those types of experiences and those types of stories that I hear make me want to believe in like these possible things. Like, have you heard of the, um, what's his name? He's like the cancer whisperer or something. He believes in celery juice. Now this guy was on some podcast too. He might've been on impact theory and stuff. I forget his name, something Stevenson. Um, I want to say, but this guy was like five years old and he just used to go around his house saying like grandma has cancer grandma has cancer and everyone's like what are you talking about 
and then ended up that his grandma ended up having cancer and getting like diagnosed with it. But then he apparently became like a whisperer ever since and like has been seeing clients and like listening to their bodies and like telling them like stuff in the future. I don't know how much of it's quackery. He's in that documentary Heal on Netflix that pretty much gained traction. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like those stories and stuff. Like I don't know how much truth there is to it, but it makes you wonder for sure. Well, you you gotta take this when you look into science there's this back door there's this other world mm-hmm. that it's almost like it's all swept under the rug but when you're in that world a lot of different spooky things happen right. you have you heard of wolfgang pally i haven't no so he was wolfgang pally so this is a. I'm going to actually do a, a video on this at some point for my okay. Unfolding Destiny blog videos. I mean, this is a podcast for Unfolding Destiny. But Wolfgang was uh, Einstein's protege. So okay. he, he was one of the most brilliant physicists of our time. He came up with the quantum numbers. Hmm. But as smart as he was, he was also very broken in the inside. And he would often go to the red light district and get his like, yeah. you know, just do that. But he had this effect that people started calling the Pally effect that no matter what it was, when he walked by a laboratory, all the equipment in that laboratory was shut down entirely. Look it up. I'm not like, I can't make this up. You have a chance. The Pally effect. And it's actually documented. He heard of it. Okay. If you go to Google right now, just look it up. Go go to Google right now. E F F E C T. The first thing that comes up. Okay. Wow. What was that? He, so it, the first thing that came up was Pauli effects synchronicity, which is like what Joe dispenses. Synchronicity. Yeah, yeah, synchronicity. synchronicity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, the, the Pauli effect was a strange phenomenon where, like, he would even call up a laboratory, all the equipment would shut down, right? And so, so right. like, something was happening in in the fields of energy there, and it was like, it was crazy. You couldn't occupy the same room as this guy. Yeah. It was insane. And but he went to Carl Jung and got his dreams deciphered. This there's this whole book behind it called 124 and oh. by Arthur Arthur I. Miller. But That's these so things, when you look at when you look at Nikola Tesla, he would also have yeah. visions and he there's documented like I mean, once again, take things with a grain of salt, but right. he used to have out-of-body experiences. There was this one experience where Nikola was just sitting there, then suddenly he catapulted his consciousness to the beach where he saw someone and the girl saw him back and she shrieked <laughs> something like that and like yeah these things yeah. like when you look at like the sciences and th- there's things that seem to happen with synchronicity and like dreams coming into reality like there's a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff that's happening that we just we're now starting to try to accept and yes you're supposed to take things with a set ounce of skepticism yeah but man there's I'll give you one. Yeah. There's. Uh, have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah, absolutely. Out of the entire ep- series, there was this one episode, and I love that show. Yeah. There was this one episode that really just. Oh, it was the, the fly. fly. Do you yeah. do you remember? <laughs> <that>? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Ooh, the whole show is the catching a fly. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Look at that. Like we we both. We, so you know what I'm yeah. about to lead into. Yeah. We're not we're not going to ruin it for the people who haven't seen the show. But yeah. in that one episode, they're trying to swat a fly. But in that same episode, someone dies. 
Yeah. Someone really, really close to that. Like, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. Anyway, that night, Walt is at a bar and he's talking to someone. Okay. And then it turns out that this person that he's talking to is related to the person that just died. Yeah. And they had never, ever met before. And right. the quote was just, just incredible. He goes, it's like the outro to the episode. He says, you know, they say that the universe is nothing but, uh, it's nothing but like particles suspended in infinite collision, linear causality, A, B, C, D, E, and yeah. everything just goes into infinite space. Yeah. But then how do you account for this? How do you account for the very night that this person dies? I'm sitting at the bar standing yeah. next to their relative. Right. What are the odds of that? I once tried to exactly. calculate them and they were impossible to calculate. That show had a very deep spiritual component to it, just 100%. like life does. So even in, even in Breaking Bad, what a lot of the fan theory is, is that last episode, they think that the very last scene might have all just been a dream. There's like a fan theory about it that he's actually just dreaming the whole thing up in the end. And there's no like real. So if, if you look at fan theories for Breaking Bad for the, for the end of it, how it ended, it's pretty interesting. I'll have to. I mean, that yeah. whole show, Walt, the Walt Whitman book. Yeah, Before we look, look, we have like we have like four minutes left. And I, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned synchronicity twice, so I have to ask you: Have you had experience? First, define synchronicity for the audience. I know what it is, but I want to hear from you. But I also, so had, I'm not. Yeah, so I'm no expert in it. What I thought it was, though, is the field that you create that also can influence and. Um, be in sync, so to speak, or again, influence what other fields are out there so that if my heart field of magnetism is like growing and getting bigger, I can reach out to more people, but that will also influence certain events or certain visions or certain experiences that I'm going to have in the future or the past, right? So time is relative. Somebody who's like coming from Pluto to earth is going to see our like future while we're still stuck in their like past, right? So if you like think of it, so it's like this whole, I don't even know, it's a whole maze. It's just, it's incredible. I, I, but I, I need to hear your definition because I know I'm no expert on it. Uh, so synchronicity is, there's part of that. Yeah, and, okay. that, that, and then the whole time dimension thing, that, that, yeah. that's, be, synchronicity is the idea of two seemingly separate events okay. happen at the exact same time in such a way that they create meaning independent gotcha. of each other. Wow. Think of this way, like you're thinking about someone and suddenly you get a phone call from that exact same person. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You were sitting there, you were visualizing something, and then suddenly that event happens. Happens, right. Deja vu is correlated to this. I've had situations in my life where like I was asleep and I was dreaming and eyes are closed. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Six months later, this exact event <laughs> plays out. Yeah. And I, I yeah. saw this in my dream and I can say, oh, this is going to happen next. And like synchronicity is a little bit different than deja vu because synchronicity is like, boom, it just happens. Yeah, it just happens. And so like, how do you account for that? And everyone says, well, like, you yeah, know, there's always a cause behind yeah, everything. Random. And so I had a synchronicity event then. I remember this. I vividly remember. I was probably like six years old and I had a dream about a specific neighbor and the neighbor being outside in the garage closing. And I wake up and I look at the outside the window and the exact event just happens. Like the exact event just unfolded. And I was like, and there, I remember there was supposed to be a dog walking in my dream and the garage door closes with this lady next to it. I wake up and the exact thing just happening over again. And I'm like, wait, is this like, you know, how do you explain that to someone? You can't. It's almost like, what? <laughs> it's, it's 
fascinating. Then when you look at stuff by the Wachowskis, like uh, The Matrix or Cloud Atlas, and okay. you talk about past lives, and you talk about reincarnation. Yeah. Right. But then you talk about deja vu when you're having this dream of this neighbor, then you see that play out in front of you. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like there was this guiding force in our lives all along every single right. step of the way. And we just had to tap into it and just kind of trust and just just trust that it was taking us down the right path. Right path, have exactly. You, have you felt that in your life, the guiding hand or? Oh, I don't know about the guiding hand, but I think this answers the question you asked me like, you know, 40 minutes ago about how my <laughs> journey came to be. And this is it. It's like you, you look at your past experiences and you believe in this truth, with I, which I thought was Jainism, but I found no value in it. But then I look back at these you know, events like this, seeing the garage door open, dog walk by, and then meditating and like feeling energy and seeing things and like, you know, and that is where I am now. It's, it's, it's a culmination of my life that led me here. And that might just be the guiding hand taking me through these steps so that I can be here, you know? And that's still going to change. And so what? And, and it's still going to change for the future, right? Like, you know, I still have 10 years. Who knows where that's going to take me and my experiences to then, but and like you said, there's probably a guiding hand. And that's why I think everything happens for a reason. This is my holy shit moment. Because, listen, yeah. uh, before, like, guys, you listening to this podcast, if you listen this far, then, like, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank <laughs> you. But I, I want to give you some background information. So when Darsh approached me for this interview, I was a little hesitant. And I, do you remember what I said to you, Yeah, Darsh? yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. 100%. So, listen, I... When you listen to <laughs> I most just podcasts, it out. <laughs> hold that thought, write yeah, it down. Yeah, it's right? to me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Just, you know what I'm about to say. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. right. <laughs> I just so so another the the first podcast I had done and uh, it was a Nick Ertman. That was a nice and interesting example because Nick was truly struggling to find himself and mm -hmm. express himself through his altruistic movement, Decenter Works. Right. Right. But the whole idea behind this podcast is I want to challenge myself. I want to get the absolute truth out of any participant that I have. Yes. My apprehension with you is that, or was that, here's Darsh. He's in medical school. He's actually gotten a residency. He's passed the boards. He's um, engaged his fiance. You're in great shape. I think I said in the chat, like, you've got like a six pack going on, right? I'm like, what, what else is there? And I said to Darsh, listen, I'm, I'm taking people on into this podcast with one condition that I have to learn something from them and expose their deeper truth. And I mean that in yeah. a positive way, but right, I want right. to. I want to know whatever that person is, wherever that person is, I want to extract the extra 40%. As Goggins yeah, says, Dave Goggins says, he goes, right. no matter wh where you are, no matter yeah. where you go, right? <laughs> you think you've still made it. it there's still 40%. Yeah. You think you're tapped out? You think, yeah. you think you've made it? Well, guess what? Just when you're at the finish line, there's another 40%, motherfucker. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> my, 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 goal was no matter who I talk to, I'm going to extract the extra 40% out of here and look at where this conversation went. We started yeah. off functional medicine stuff and that's cool. Right, and you're like, right. talking about Eastern thought and mysticism and then yeah. meditation and quantum physics. And then right. we get to this point where like, wait a minute, I ask you a, a question. <laughs> hey, so 
Define synchronicity. You, you first of all, you mentioned you call it synchronicity, but okay. Yeah, I'm saying synchronicity. I know you don't say it. <laughs> you mentioned it twice. Synchronicity. That's it. This, this guy knows about synchronicity. I mean, and then you mention it, and then I give you my definition, and now we have this holy shit moment. You're right, and right. It's like we, and then you of your own without me asking. This was live, yeah. live. Yeah. I'm not editing. Like this is what you yeah. can tell. This is happening. Right. Not meditated. Like we brought you to this moment. And we're like, oh my god. I, I never knew that synchronicity was that, but now yeah. that you explain it to me in that way, like, I've yeah, had I've experience that. my life. Oh, yeah. there must have been a guiding hand. So I, I want to, now that we've kind of talked about it just a little bit, I want to go a little bit more deeply. Just yeah. with time, your time dimension thing, right. Synchronicity yeah. is, is not linked to linear time. Okay. Right. Synchronicity is past, present, future. future. All exactly. these things happening simultaneously. What was interesting in the quantum world with Joe Dispenza, when he talks about that, is that at the quantum level, things happen in a nonlinear way. So are you familiar with Heisenberg's uncertainty principle? Uh, yeah, the cat in the box kind of thing and the particles and no one particle can be in the same position kind of. Ah, that takes me back to Chem 101, but yeah. <laughs> right. Somewhat. And, <laughs> it, 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 in that, like, they 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 spoke about it, but it was very much in like a regular. Oh well, this is what this uncertainty principle is. They didn't really talk about like um, the the theory, the mysticism behind it. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it has something to do with the fact of position and movement. Yes. So at the quantum level, you can like figure out where something is. X marks the spot. Yeah. But you'll never know how it got there. It's not right. like, oh, I drove my car this way. Yeah. No, at the quantum level, it could have taken a million different paths to get to that one spot. Right. So you can see where something is, but you can't see how it got there. Or you can see something where it's going, but you can't necessarily you can see where it's going to end up. Yeah, so position and movement are kind of mutually exclusive, yeah. Right, and so what they've done is, though, they've done things like they were able to, like, split an electron right. and, and put it in two different spots yeah. and when you move one half the other half also followed right when you look at what the bleep do we know they talk about how like your brain cannot tell the difference between between what is real and what is imagined wow. Nikola test right think about this like your brain it's uh, it's a holographic image emitter you'll get dr carl prebrum he talked about this the holonomic mind theory and it's the whole idea that your brain runs off of frequencies, electromagnetic energy and stuff like that. But when you think of something, your mind can't tell the difference between what you see in your head and what's out there in the physical world. Right. So there's this buffer, there's a skin that separates me from the external world. And yeah. so now it goes back to the whole dream time thing that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Who is the I and is the I external? Am I in someone right. else's yeah aborigines they believe that we were in a dream state all along. See right. in the Western world we very much believe in here, I am yeah, here, physically I'm present. Here, right. But but in the world of the Aborigines and in, in, in the ancients, when they took ayahuasca or DMT, they didn't know that they were just in an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. They believed they were in another world. world and right. so the whole idea, the very foundation of what we think is physical and is comprehensive, is actually beyond comprehension. And then when you add synchronicity into it, yes. think about that. Think about the way you and uh, your fiance Mira, right? Yeah. yeah, Mira. Yep. Think about how you guys met, and I remember vaguely like a Facebook poke, but then yeah, suddenly Facebook, she put exactly. Well, it was mutual and friends. Yeah, it was weird. They, we had mutual friends, and then you know this was okay. Yeah, so this was freshman year of college. My our mutual friend suggested we should have dated. We were now we were with other people at the time. 
Um, and then three years later, we should we meet again? Poke, right? But go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead actually, go. Yeah, three years later, we like actually meet, or um, it gets suggested again to me. So I'm like, all right, you know what? My friend takes my laptop and pokes her on Facebook for me, and I'm like, oh my right. god, dude, why the hell did you do that? She pokes back. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I'll poke. And she pokes back. I had no idea that she wasn't with her like ex-boyfriend at the time or whatever. So like it just happened that like one day freshman year, people were like, oh, you guys should meet. We never met. Or we met once and it was like a blur moment. And I don't even like – it was a long time ago. We both like vaguely remember it but not like, oh, hey, how are you? And have a proper conversation. It was like, oh, hey, hey, nice to meet you, blah, 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 right? And then th three years later, it's like full-fledged, oh, we're going on a date now. And then, you know, and this happened from there. So, yeah. I mean, it's... it's. Look at that. Right. Now, when you look at that through the lens of synchronicity, think about it. You met her once. Okay, three years later, you meet again at a party. And then your mm -hmm. friend happens to poke her. She pokes you back. Right. And now you're engaged, right? Yeah. And then it's very interesting and the one thing that i love that you do is you're very much in the moment you're not hyper analyzing things though you think a lot yeah but yeah, what, yeah what steve it's like the thing that steve jobs talks about in his one book well not book did you see a stanford commencement speech yes yes he said that like you know he went throughout life and he just kind of followed his hunch his curiosity so to speak. Yeah. that's my mantra by the way my mantra yeah, is follow curiosity. your curiosity I like but that he would just kind of trust what was that i said i like that should be your Thanks, tattoo, man. You should get that tatted right underneath I, what, the eye. I'll get it under my eye. Right? <laughs> Follow your curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> right. <What? laughs> yeah. Right? He said that, like, just trust in your intuition, your gut, and just know that things will fall into place. But you can't connect the dots looking forward. But if you look back at your life, everything seems to connect. Right. In my Unfolding Destiny video from today, my uh, Do Soulmates Exist, I lead off, I mean, sorry, I end off with a, a quote from uh, one of these books. I'm, I'm going to show you. Let me just walk away for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, definitely do. Here it is. I'm just going to walk. I'll be yeah, right yeah. back. Feel the vision. I'm all about but the books. Bring out the books. This book here is fucking phenomenal. It's uh, The Dreaming Universe by Fred Allen Wolf, who's a physicist. And he's a quantum physicist and he talks about dream time. And he talks about like the quantum universe and Einstein's theories. And yeah. And look at how many notes I have in here. This Jeez, like, yeah, man. That's, that's noted I, up. <laughs> I this twice and I outlined yeah. it. But I end off that video with a quote from, from this book. Yeah. And I'm not going to read it again because I'm, you can, you're just going to watch the video. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But right. towards the end, like what he says is that like, it's almost like when you look back at your life and you see your life in reverse, it's like everything just seemed to connect in ways right. that are beyond comprehension. It's almost like there was this invisible force all along guiding you along the way. And as long as you just listen to it, I don't know what it is. I mean, spirit guides, I don't know, yeah. but there's right. something, something. Your future that, self, who knows? <laughs> like hey yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> dude so thank you for being a part of this, this has been yeah amazing. man appreciate it and if i can just leave off i don't know if you've read this book man there's one called einstein's dreams this is mainly for the followers if any followers want to like get into understand or it's it's a very time pass book it's not philosophical in the sense where it's like nitty-gritty um hard science but it just makes your mind wander and like think about like theory of relativity and so the way it, it it goes is each chapter time is different first chapter time is linear 
Second time is like cyclical, the one it hops back and forth. And in each chapter, Einstein's trying to figure out his theory of relativity. So it's like a super fascinating book, man. I highly recommend it. And that was a book I read when I was like in fifth or sixth grade that also got me on the bandwagon to like just think about the world itself and this in 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 what we are and oh, just think about time. Einstein's oh yeah. I just I lost some audio. What was that very last piece that you said? Oh yeah, I was just saying yeah, Einstein's dreams. I read that in like fifth or sixth grade, and uh, that also kind of got me on this uh, train to like really think about the world that we live in and outside of it and the possibilities. So just recommend it to all the all the listeners. Um, Einstein's dreams. It's a very short book. I think it's only like 80, 90 pages, but it is super fascinating. Is it fictional? It is fictional, but it's just okay. Einstein going through theory of relativity, and each chapter is just a different version of time. One is linear, the next is cyclical. And he's just trying to figure out his like equation in each chapter. I'll read it. It's super fast. It. It's awesome. Yeah, I liked it. Have you read Flowers for Algernon? Yeah, yeah. I read that in eighth grade. Right, let's go yeah. back. But I, I, yeah. I that book speaks to me and about the yeah, brain yeah, and yeah. intelligence. But exactly. Dude, so I think we can keep going on and on. We might even like sure. someday have like a, a, a part two or something. I, I think we went we should, yeah, beyond the sure. hour mark for sure. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, did you get something valuable out of this? Was this cool for you? 100%, man. No, and I, I told you before we even did this, man, like intellectual talk is my thing. Like I could just go down the rabbit hole and I'm always learning something new or making a new connection. And again, that's also part of my personal development is how can I make connections with the most non-connecting thing, right? And that's any book, any podcast, anyone I talk to is what can I gain from it? What value can I gain from it? Um, and for sure, Numera, I mean, this was awesome, dude. I really enjoyed it. All right, yeah. man. I'm going to st stop the recording, but thank you so much, and uh, yeah. we'll be in touch, all right? Yeah, for sure, dude. All right, man. All right, take care. Sounds good, yep. Yeah.